Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. I was recently coaching a woman physician, and she asked me about what investments were safe. I thought this would be a great topic for a podcast. So my first question is, what does it mean to be safe? If we look in the Oxford Dictionary for a definition, safe is an adjective, quote, protected from or not exposed to danger or risk, not likely to have been harmed or lost. For example, eggs remain in the damp sand, safe from marine predators, end quote. Safe is also a noun describing, quote, a strong fireproof cabinet with a complex lock used for the storage of valuables, end quote. The truth is, there is no safe investment. By saying this, I mean that there is no investment that is not exposed to danger or risk. Investments are all about risk and rewards. Low-risk investments tend to have low rewards. High-risk investments should have a chance of high enough rewards in order to be enticing enough to take the risk. When people think of safe investments, they're usually thinking of something where they have little or no chance of losing their money or losing their principal investment. Putting money in a bank account or a CD seems safe due to FDIC insurance, which guarantees you won't lose the money in the account, at least up to $100,000 currently. Would you call having a guaranteed but small loss a safe investment? Because that's a way of looking at money in that bank account. If your money is not earning enough interest to keep up with the rate of inflation, then you are effectively losing money by losing spending power. Over time, inflation erodes spending power, meaning that your money is essentially worth less, and you could look at that as losing money. Remember Silicon Valley Bank, which went bankrupt? They lost money due to large investments in treasury bills, which are generally considered a safe and conservative investment. However, they needed to have more liquidity as their depositors were coming and wanting to get their money out. So they had to sell their T-bills before they matured to have cash to give to those depositors. That caused them to lose over a billion dollars. Around 55% of Silicon Valley Bank's portfolio was invested in U.S. government bonds. So they didn't go bankrupt because they made what people think of as risky investments. They actually made what a lot of people think of as a safe investment, but that still caused them to lose over a billion dollars. So that's why I say that there's really no safe investment. T-bills have a short-term return right now of around 5%, which is the highest in the last 15 years. Many stocks are underperforming T-bills currently, at least at the time of recording of this podcast. So does that mean that T-bills right now are a good investment? Well, if inflation's at 6%, then the money invested in T-bills is still not keeping up with inflation. And while many stocks are underperforming T-bills, some stocks are outperforming T-bills by leaps and bounds. The problem is is that generally we don't know which stocks those will be. Imagine buying Amazon back in 1997 or Google in 2005. That's actually when I considered buying Google. I love the product. I was using Google as my primary search engine. I was using it for Gmail. But at the time, I was really into analyzing the company of a stock that I was going to purchase, and they weren't earning any money. So I decided to pass. 
However, there are a lot of stocks that just grow in leaps and bounds because the company itself is growing. And since then, Google has grown leaps and bounds, and they have started offering so many different products. And with ads to their primary Google search engine, they are also very profitable. Do I regret not buying Google then? Well, yeah, I would have made a lot of money had I bought Google then. But regret doesn't move you forward. And frankly, unless I had bought a lot of Google stock at that point, it wouldn't necessarily change anything about my life now either. There was a time when Yahoo was bigger than Google, and it was the king of internet searches. There was no sure thing that Google would actually end up surpassing Yahoo. Google could have flopped, like Yahoo eventually did, and so many other search engines. Alta Vista used to be a search engine I used a lot of the time, and it's nowhere now. At least Yahoo still exists. But Google did grow and grow and branch out into more internet services. So while some people thought that was inevitable for Google in 2005, it was never a sure thing. This is why I'm a fan of the total U.S. stock market index fund. I like to just own all the companies. Think of it this way. Let's say you buy $1,000 of stock in 10 companies. If nine of the 10 companies go bankrupt, but that one company that didn't go bankrupt makes a hundred times what you put into it, then you still come up way ahead. You invested $10,000, 1,010 companies, and it ended up with $100,000. When you invest in all the companies, you're going to catch the winners, the 100X and the 1,000X. And that's what makes up for all the companies that have stagnant growth or even go bankrupt. And yes, big companies do go bankrupt. I own shares of Bed Bath & Beyond, which I bought a long time ago and just kind of held on to for years. And it just dwindled over time. I only bought less than $500. So I just kept it as an exercise. Well, maybe they'll get bought out. But instead, the stock price is now pennies per share. Of course, when you're investing in the stock market, you're already investing in publicly traded companies, which means that they're already fairly large companies. The smallest publicly traded companies, called nano-cap companies or penny stocks, are worth in the $5 million range. Small-cap stocks are in the $250 million to $2 billion range. One way to have more safety when it comes to investing is really diversification. Even better is to diversify across assets where the returns on the assets are not correlated to each other. What I mean by that is that the movement of the value of one asset in one class does not affect the asset in the other class. If two assets are perfectly correlated, it means that they move in the same direction at the same time. If asset A goes up, then asset B goes up. When asset A goes down, then asset B will also go down. Asset A and asset B in this case would be considered positively correlated. If two assets are perfectly negatively correlated, it means that they always move in the opposite direction. If asset X goes up, then asset Y would go down. And when asset X goes down, asset Y goes up. So in that case, if they're always moving in the opposite direction, if you own both of them, you can kind of potentially balance out your returns. With no correlation, the asset value of asset C doesn't affect the value of asset D. Asset C can go up or can go down or cannot move at all. And asset D will do its own thing. It may go up, it may go down or do nothing at all. They're not correlated. They're doing their own thing. In the world of investing, that's the best thing to have, is to have multiple different assets that really don't correlate to each other at all. So when you're thinking about investing, you really want to think about a few factors. The first is the reason for making the investment. If you have money you are investing, 
What are you investing it for? The simple answer is generally just to make more money. You want your money working for you. But do you have a specific goal for that money? Not all investment vehicles are the same. What is the timeline you have to meet that investment objective? If you have a short-term goal, then the investments that would be appropriate would be different than if you have a long-term goal. Knowing your financial goals gives clarity into which type of investments are right to meet those goals. All investments carry some sort of risk. It's important to understand the risks associated with any investment before you make that investment. It's also important to understand your own risk appetite. The volatility of the investment is something to consider depending on your appetite for risk. The valuation of the investment can fluctuate over time, which can influence your investment decisions. You don't want to be that person who buys into a stock and then when it falls in value, you sell it and then it rises to a value much higher than you bought it for and you've lost money because you couldn't stomach the drop. With any investment, you want to know what you can expect as your return on investment. After all, the entire point of making the investment is to generate returns. Investments with higher volatility, higher risk, and longer timelines should also come with a higher return in order to make it worthwhile. You also want to evaluate the return on investment and how it corresponds with the rate of inflation. Don't let the tax tail wag the dog, but considering any tax implications of the investment deserves some consideration. Understanding tax laws can help you make sound investment decisions, including improving your returns. I hope you now can see why I consider someone in their 30s with the investment goal of retirement that investing in a low-cost diversified index fund is a safer investment than a high-yield savings account. With a long time horizon, the returns of the stock market will significantly outperform the high-yield savings account and make it possible to achieve the goal of retirement. Very few people would be able to achieve their retirement goals by investing solely in fixed interest rate investment vehicles like bank accounts, CDs, and treasury bills. That would essentially require you to save the amount that you would need for your entire retirement and more because of the loss of the value of money compared to inflation. You really need your money to grow for you and grow faster than the rate of inflation in order to reach your retirement goals. However, for short-term goals, the goal may actually be just to save over time and try to match the rate of inflation so that you can meet those goals. It all really depends on your timeline. I hope this episode was helpful for you for when I talk about the fact that there's really no safe investment and what to think about when you're looking at making an investment. So I would really love to hear from you and how this podcast is helping you build your wealthy mindset and building your actual wealth. I think one thing is that we don't celebrate our wins enough, and I really want to hear your wins and get people to start talking more about money and talking about their money wins, because this is just something that's not talked about. I would love if you could email me some money win that you've had, especially if it's something that came from listening to this podcast. And in order to entice you to do so, I am going to run a drawing so that every time someone sends a win, so if you send 10 wins, you would get 10 entries into the drawing for a gift card to Amazon. You can send that email with the subject title win to growyourwealthymindset at gmail.com. If you're a woman physician, you could also join my Facebook group, Women Physicians Growing Wealth. You can search for it on Facebook. It's open for any woman physician or someone who identifies as a woman to join. You do need to answer the questions so that you prove that you are a physician. You can also post your win in the Facebook group in order to be entered for the drawing. 
The drawing will happen the week of Labor Day weekend. So this is something I'm running for the summer. Feel free to invite your women physician friends to Facebook group or tell anybody about the drawing and they can just email growyourwealthymindset at gmail.com in order to enter. Of course, as a money coach, I love helping people get wins when it comes to their life as well as their money. So if you are interested in getting more wins for yourself and really diving deeper, then you may want to consider actually coaching with me. I do take a limited number of one-on-one clients, and you can set up a consultation call at my website, growyourwealthymindset.com, where we could discuss what it's like to work together and whether it be a good fit. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician. Thank you.